Welcome to Synergetic Culture, where we exist to provide practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture. Here's the dichotomy though. Culture is formed either by design or by default. A culture by design, when adopted by the people within the culture, has a multiplying effect in the way it builds the organization and the individuals within it. And this, my friends, this is a synergetic culture. So how do we create a culture by design? What fundamentals and tactics and principles build a synergetic culture? Well, you've come to the right place. So no matter where you find yourself in your career, this podcast is for you. And with that being said, let's jump into today's episode of Synergetic Culture. Have you ever felt you spend too much time living your life that you forget to enjoy it? That the place you find yourself in seems almost unrecognizable, leaving you to wonder, how did I get here? Is this truly what you want your life to look like? Far too many people spend years, even decades, doing what they thought they should do, living to please others at the expense of themselves. They find themselves rounding out their edges or staying squarely in their comfort zones. They build successful careers while neglecting to take time for family or fun. They feel accomplished yet unfulfilled. Whether you've slipped into being a people pleaser, been afraid to step up, or simply don't know how to put yourself on your priority list, know there is a way to intentionally design your life, to fill it with the right people, the right things, and the right intentions. This is a synopsis of a book that I'm so excited to share with you today on the Synergetic Culture Podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. My name is Adam Bieber and I am the host of Synergetic Culture. And whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching this on YouTube one day, welcome to uh, the podcast. This is episode 27 of our show and it is titled, You're Not For Everyone. And I'm joined by a very special guest, Kristen Andre. So before I introduce you, Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. It's going to be fun. You wrote that synopsis that I just I read. I did, right? <laughs> yeah. But so, it's, it's so true, though. It is. It is. I'm excited to talk about it. I think it. it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, so to introduce Kristen a little bit, she's an author, as you can tell, um, a uh, business strategist, consultant, business owner. Um, a badass, a black belt, uh, second degree in Taekwondo, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Which I like is the badass. Let's, let's focus on let's that. Let's focus on that part. Tell my kids. And a mother. That was, that was the last piece here is that um, you're an incredible, exceptional mother. Um, and uh, it's interesting because we met because of martial arts, even though I'm not a martial artist. Yes, So. I don't know if you know this, but I had Mark um, on the podcast a couple weeks ago, a couple I months ago. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So um, Mark Burns is the connecting piece to me and Kristen here today. Um, and I actually told you before we started recording that I remember the first thing you ever said to me. And you wouldn't tell me. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I am a little nervous. So she this. wouldn't tell me what, what or I mean, I wouldn't tell her what the first thing she said to me was, but I'll never forget it because it was really, really funny. Um the, our friend Mark used to do this adult, uh, what did he call it? Um, combat fit. Yeah, fit class, combat fit. Yeah, yeah. so it was yeah. kickboxing, and it was just like an open class. You didn't have to be a student taking Taekwondo, and so I would go to that. And um, there was one night we were there, you were there, and I was, um, it was like we were in between doing something, and Mark was showing me how to properly kick a bag, and... Um, everybody was stopped getting water and I just kept going and I was just taking it out on this bag and you walked up and you went, well, somebody's got some anger issues. Oh, <laughs> That's true. Okay. And I just started. Was I right up. though? You, maybe a little bit, but I was just cracking up. I was, I thought that was so funny that you just out of nowhere said that to me. We didn't even know each other. I recognize um, it because I've gone in before and, and uh, Mark, I'll call him Mark. Master Burns would say bag two minutes. Like I could tell I'd had so much pent up like frustration stuff, and stress. Anger and yeah. Stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Taking it out of the bag's great. It's the cheaper great in therapy. <laughs> it's funny. Cause I talk about sometimes going to therapy and I've talked about, um, just dealing with stress and anxiety and like, right. uh, fitness, any type of fitness, running exercise, mm -hmm. kicking a bag has all been super helpful. So I think that day I was battling something, Yeah, but you saw it. It was, it was hilarious. Um, 
So today we're going to talk a little bit about this, this book that you wrote. Um, I'm excited to um, ask you some questions about it, but I always like to um, start interviews introducing you more to the audience so we can get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Um, there's a, a variety of, of listeners from different backgrounds, and our goal is always that <clears throat> when people listen to this, they, they can find themselves in the story, they can connect with pieces of it, whether or not they're in corporate settings or um, family relationships, um, whatever culture that somebody's a part of that they, they know that they have the ability to impact it. And um, my goal is that every single time uh, we record an episode that somebody has something practical to walk away with. So I'm excited uh, to talk to you about all of this stuff that we got set up here on the table. If you're watching it, you can see the cover of the book and hopefully you're already um, looking it up on Amazon and adding it to your cart. Um, so tell us, I mean, I want to get to know you a little bit better too here, Kristen. So tell me a little bit about you, like where you're from, where you grew up. Yeah. What was, what was young Kristen like? Young Kristen was sassy. <laughs> um, kind of like old Kristen. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I grew up in Columbus, Georgia, about two hours South of Atlanta. Yep. Um, it's a small town. It's gotten bigger over the years, but it was very much small. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew everybody. Um, I'm the oldest of two. I've got a little brother. So I was kind of the, your typical Southern girl growing up. And it okay. was very much, I grew up in, God, I'm going to date myself. I grew up in the seventies, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a be seen and not heard mm. thing. So it was kind of, we were the first generation kind of left at home, a little bit more autonomy. We, it was, I loved my childhood, like growing up and we played outside. We were at our friend's house, but at the same time, we were, we had very clear expectations around how we behaved. Like you could, you'd get in trouble at anybody's house. So it was, it was strict. I mean, it was, it was a great childhood, but I was, I grew up very loved, but in a very strict household. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I stayed in the comfort zone a little bit, Yeah, but I was definitely still sassy. I mean, a little bit (laughs) snarky and sassy and I could just couldn't use it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can connect with that. I, my, my dad was a Marine Corps sergeant. And so growing up with the, growing up with the sergeant, it was pretty strict. Um, but I do have have very fond memories of my childhood as well. Um, what were you like as a student? I'm curious. Nerdy, smart. Nerdy like, smart. Oh yeah. I loved school. I was one of those people who even now I look back and people are like, I'm so glad I'd hate to be I'd hate to be in high school today. Oh my gosh. I would absolutely hate I would to too. be a student. I mean, yeah. I feel so bad for my girls. It is way different than when we went, but I loved school. Mm. I was a good student. I was a self starter. Um, so I always said, Now, did I always make the best grade? I made good grades until I got to probably my junior year and realized, you know, there was more to life than studying. Yeah. But yeah. it um yeah, I was self-directed and, and absolutely loved it. You know, I was a cheerleader in high school. I had a great friend group, a lot of who I still stay in touch with. That's awesome. Yeah, That's really cool. Um, I know that sometimes in different seasons of life, you have different people that enter the picture and then sometimes leave the picture. But I've been fortunate enough to still be connected to guys I played football with in high school and yeah. still have really close relationships with with some folks from either that season or even going back to when I was a kid growing up in Hawaii. I've still got friends that I grew up with that literally have known me since I was just a child, real, real small. So, and I think everybody, like not everybody comes along, but usually have one or two people from each season that you stay in touch with and you keep building the relationship with. Oh yeah, for sure. And then, so you cheered, um, any other sports, any other activities? I played like rec softball and stuff like that. We used to play basketball in the neighborhood and stuff like that was, I was, I like to think I was athletic. (laughs) Um, my brother and my dad, Apparently, I th- I grew up thinking I athletic. I've yeah. got all this ability. My brother and my dad laugh at it. They're like, "No, you're not." <laughs> so so apparently, <laughs> I thought my skills were better than they were. That's hilarious. My brother was very athletic. My dad played college football. Brother played sports all through high school. Oh wow! And yeah, it's genetic. Yeah, so I, I apparently was the <laughs> least performing athlete in the bunch. And then, um, what was, what was, uh, your next step after, after high school? Did you go straight into college? Did you, what was, what was I your went, journey like? I went straight into college. And what was interesting is I majored in, I went away to Florida, um, in Jacksonville, Jacksonville mm. university, go dolphins. And I stayed there a couple of years, then transferred back to Georgia state and went to physical therapy school. Mm. So my, I didn't de- know that. No, that's everybody's always surprised. My degrees in physical therapy. <clears throat> so I did, I graduated, got past the boards, did physical therapy. I was sports and orthopedics, which to this day is great because now I'm really good when people get injured. Yeah. 
And I, I like car wrecks. I don't like car wrecks, but like I'll, I'll be the first one to stop to try to help. Try to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's so interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. So Georgia so, State, go Panthers, right? That's right. That's, that's right. awesome. They've got teams now. We didn't have football when they were there. They have football teams now. I, um, kind of stuff. I know a guy. I've got a mentor friend of mine who, um, I don't know what years it was. I think it was early 90s maybe or maybe in the late 80s. I don't know. Um, but he played oh. baseball at Georgia State. Okay. Um, and he when was, I was there. He was one of the years when they brought back baseball. Um, it, the program had gone away and they decided to bring it back. And so they were just yeah. recruiting, trying to get people to play. And so he was just like, yeah, I'll go. And he pitched. But he's, he talks about it because he's like, it was awesome. Because here I was just like an average pitcher. But because they were trying so hard to bring this program back, I was on the mound facing UGA and That's University of Florida cool. and like playing yeah. like really big teams. It was a great place to go. It's changed a lot, I think, in the last several sure. decades, yeah. but it was great. And the PT program wasn't still as amazing. Oh, awesome. I learned so much. It just wasn't, I think it was a situational thing. I had gotten injured a lot. And so many times in life we do that where we look at things that are happening in that moment and mm -hmm. we make a lot of decisions based on that. So when I went away to college, I was a marketing and management double major. Then I changed to biology and pre-med. And then I had a surgeon friend of ours say, I don't know if I'd go to med school. Yeah. And then I got injured and that's what made me go into physical therapy. So that's it's kind interesting. of, it's interesting how little bitty events can shape what we do. Well, and just how, um, small little events and then what we think in the moment are probably small decisions can actually shift the trajectory tremendously yeah. on where we where we end up and what we end up doing. I don't think there are any small decisions. I mean, they, they really, they start this ripple effect. That yeah. We think they're small, but if we, which is why intentionality is so important, because if we don't really pay attention, those waves get big. Quick. Yes. Yep. hundred percent. I feel like we could talk about just that for the rest of this yeah. episode. So, um, and, and have you always had a entrepreneurial spirit? What, what, like, tell us about the evolution of that. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if it's the entrepreneurial spirit as much as the, I really don't like to be put in a box and told what to do mm -hmm. spirit, which I guess by definition is probably the same thing. Yeah. So I, um, you know, as I mentioned, I was in healthcare for about a decade and honestly, I loved it. I love what I was doing, but by the age of 30, I hit a salary cap mm. and they're basically, you know, so when you're 30 years old, I had a young child at the time and you know, they're like you, and it was the breadwinner and they're like, well, you can't make any more money. You kind of have to start making some decisions. Sure. So I'm not the type to sit and complain. I was, or complacency. Or you complacency. just accept it and you're right. like, okay, this is all the money I'm ever going to make. Here we exactly. go. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people do that. And unfortunately when they do, I see them, they accept it, but then they complain and they just, mm -hmm. you know, become just, angry and bitter. And that's not me. I just, if I can change something, I change it. So I actually changed careers completely and went, in, went into finance. And over the last several decades, I, I loved, I grew a great practice, but I love the development of people and businesses. Mm. So just over time morphed into that. Very cool. And now you, that's what you help other people do is right. strategize, strengthen, yep. make yeah. their business better. Yeah. So as a, as a, it's super fun because, you know, having a financial background, I look at, look at it, you know, how can we make, I mean, at the end of the day, how can we make money? Most sure. entrepreneurs and executives, they want to, they want to make money. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you have to make all the money, but I quickly found out that all work and no play is not fun either. Yeah. So I saw so many people just sacrificing their lives to make an income. So now as a, a strategist, we, we certainly look at how to scale a business and grow it, but on their terms. So I'm mm. very big with my clients about what do you want life to look like? Not just your business, but life. And then we make that all fit together. So uh, your primary um, uh, typical uh, customer right now is, is some somebody on the C-suite executive level that's trying to figure out how to grow the business and have a healthy life and, and all of that, what does that look like? So there's, there's two sets that I really deal with, um, entrepreneurs for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have a lot of people in the financial and professional services, a lot of financial advisors, a lot of attorneys, and I do have a lot of kind of service and product based people as well, but cool. entrepreneurs that want to scale and grow, they want to make more money and make more, have more impact. And then I do also have a lot of corporate executives and with them, it's less about growing their business or the arm of their business they manage, but more about leading people and leading themselves in their own lives. You know, mm. How can they integrate everything? Cause corporate 
is way different from entrepreneurship. Yeah. I mean, corporate, there's so much more BS, honestly, that goes into it <laughs> that people have to deal with. And a lot of times yeah. it's, I feel like I'm part shrink and part strategist because it's helping them navigate a good point. that and not lose themselves. Well, and I think there's, in the entrepreneurial setting, I can imagine just because I, I flex this muscle with this podcast, there's a lot of freedom. And so it's like, how do I put up guardrails and be not be a mile wide and an inch deep, but be have depth. And so having direction and help and being able to strategize stuff like that is super helpful. But then I also have a corporate world right now that is like, I don't really get to determine how things are done. I just Ooh. do them the way that they're supposed to be done. Yep. Um, so then it's managing my, my mindset and managing my work-life balance. And how do I, how do I, stay healthy and all of that. That's, that's a challenge. Even it's a huge for someone challenge. like me, that's not on the, you know, the, the higher rung executive level, I'm still struggling and battling that all it's, the time. It's a challenge. And I think it's actually more of a challenge as you're, and when you're not on the highest rung, mm. when you're climbing the ladder, because so many times we feel like we want to do more. And, you know, if I just do this, I'll get there. Or if I can, you know, put in the extra time now, it'll pay off. And it, it doesn't. It, I mean, sometimes it pays off, but you just end up in that vicious cycle. So you mentioned the word boundaries. That's hugely important, but people are lousy at setting them. Oh, Entrepreneurs gosh. need to set them too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, for a long time, I struggled with them just personally, just oh, having sure. having good personal boundaries, sometimes even with family, like you know, what I say yes to, what I say, it, learning how to say no was a challenge all in itself. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right. It's, um, it, I've caught myself recently kind of having this mindset of like, this is the sacrifice time of my life where I'm just going to pour everything into my passions and my career and later I'll benefit from it. And so it's like that push and pull of how do I, how do I also uh, have a quality of life now yeah. and not just sacrifice myself? So my question to people when they, cause that's really common. And I think especially at, at younger ages, cause, but I, I hate to think of somebody having to sacrifice, because to me, sacrifice means I'm giving up mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And I always want, I always tell people, it's not an either or, it's an and. What can I and? What can I add that brings some additional, you know, joy, revenue, friendships, relationship, whatever it is yeah. that that gets the good stuff going. Mm -hmm. And, you know, saying no is a big part of it to this thing. But, you know, so don't, if we think of word sacrificing, then it, we're automatically coming at it from a negative place. Mm -hmm. So it's really trying to reshape, right? How am I thinking about this? What can I control? I'm big on controlling the controllables because yeah. some stuff just sucks and we can't control it. Mm -hmm. So either if you can't control it, you either suck it up and do it or you, you find something, something else to something do. Else to yeah. Do. <clears throat> yeah. I say that a lot. Um, one of the things that I, I use to help filter, um, some of my thoughts is, is this, is this in my control? Like I'll ask yeah. myself, is this, is this my, is this within my um, responsibility to change or my ability to affect change? And right. if it's not, then I can't sit here and get hung up on it. Right. I just got to suck it up and do it or whatever it is, you know, be, find a way to navigate through it and then focus on the stuff that I can change, which is like you were saying, how do I, how do I divvy up my time? What, how do yeah. I make time for the things that give me passion, give me joy, increase revenue, things like that. Yeah. So, um, how, so now, now you, you, you do this full time professionally. Yes. How, what is that? What has that been like? How did you build your business to what it is now? And then we'll get to the book. Yeah. Well, you know, I mentioned that I, I left healthcare, went into finance. I worked for a financial services firm. I built a practice. I got in leadership. I was running an office. I loved it. It yeah. was awesome. But again, I got to a point with the career where I was like, I couldn't, the controllables weren't as much. Mm. I couldn't, you know, when I say control the controllables, there wasn't a whole lot I control. Great career, great company. But I had a, I'd had my third daughter and I was having a conversation with my managing partner. I was a managing director at the time, had a conversation with my managing partner. And he's like, Chris, I think you can have a bigger impact out of outside the office mm. because I really, I love working in your strengths. I'm a big strengths finder fan. Yeah. And what's your what's your, what's your strengths? Yeah, your my top one. one's maximizer. Oh, cool. Yeah, which is not not just good to great, but it, well, it's good to great. It's, I don't tolerate mediocrity very well, yeah. but it's wanting to make things better. But another one of my top five is significance. And when I first heard that, I was like, God, that sounds kind of ego. And I'm so not ego. 
Um, but when you read the definition of significance, it's wanting to have a broader impact, which is exactly what Phil, my old managing partner, was saying. He's like, Chris, I think you will have a bigger impact outside of this office. And the more I thought about it, I was having an impact within the office, but I wanted to go bigger in terms of helping more people. Mm -hmm. So I stepped down, you know, he and I had a great conversation. He was extremely supportive of it. He was actually my first client when I launched my coaching consulting business. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. So not only did he help, you know, push me in that direction, but there were some other factors, you know, the, the path I wanted to take that I thought was laid out for me with that particular company, um, was very quickly made clear that that path wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, it was a, it was a diversity thing. It was, it was being a female and, and at, at that time it, it worked against me. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll see people because, you know, diversity and inclusion is a big thing right now. Yep. And I'll see people like, well, it's because of this. And can I look back and say that I think the reason I didn't move forward had to do with that for sure. So but what I see people doing now is they just complain about it. They bitch and complain and say, you're not picking me because of X. Yeah. Instead of going out, and making things happen on your own. Yeah. So instead of I could have sat there and kept fighting and I was like, you know what? This isn't what I want. Ultimately, I can yeah. have more control over my life and do all the things I want to do with all the people I want to do them with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So wow. that's, that's what made me launch. Well, I think it's it's very cool because a lot of uh, where people get hung up is on the what happens, and it's more about yes. how we respond to what happens. A million percent. I heard somebody say, um, instead of saying, why did this happen to me, they, they shift it no matter what it is, and they say, hey, why is this happening for me? Yep. And they try to just look for where life is taking them if they believe in a higher power where is god taking them like they just they don't they don't allow what's happened to them be the thing that holds them down and the people that do stay complacent yeah they stay bitter they stay angry um you know they always have an excuse for something instead of just getting out there and making it happen and i think so many of us do i was that person for sure Mm. and i think you know and it's it comes in different stages with career i wasn't with career i was very much like what, you know, what is, what is God trying to teach me? What am I supposed to learn from this? And I would learn it, move on and move to yeah, the next thing. Yeah. Um, personally, it was harder. Oh, like, yeah. and I think some people either have an easier time with career and some people have an easier time with personal. Personal, I feel like I had to learn, God was giving me lessons over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think at some point he's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, you got this. You know, it's interesting because it, you almost feel like if somebody was really, really sharp and had it all together and was maximizing in their career Mm -hmm. that it would just carry over to the personal life but it doesn't doesn't always do that Mm -mm. yeah it's interesting because I'm I'm the type of person that I'm like very much on it like very high performing high level just gotta gotta keep the energy high gotta keep doing what I'm doing I I um I hate mediocrity I don't want I won't settle for the second best um I'm very very competitive um my uh a lot of what I what I where I get a lot of my passion from is just that competitive nature. But there are, there are certain areas where just personally, like sometimes I'm like, man, I feel, I wish I could be a little bit more on top of it. Like I'm a little too relaxed and maybe it's because I'm so stressed and so on in my career setting that I relax in my personal setting or, you know, sometimes and then there's vice versa. There's, I feel like I'm a better at connecting with people on a personal level, and sometimes I struggle on the professional side. Like, it's just, there's always this weird I, tension. I think a lot of people are like that. None of us really, I mean, the cool thing to remember is none of us have this figured out. We just, you know, we, we're we trying to get through, right? We're <laughs> yeah. trying to get through the best we can. And, mm-hmm. like, even when the book, when I wrote the book, these are all the mistakes I made. These aren't mm. me coming in going, here's, you know, here's yeah how wonderful this is and how you should do it. It's like, because I did all the things wrong. Yeah. And I think if we don't take the opportunity to figure out, all right, what are we screwing up and what can we learn from it? That That's really how we all help. Yeah. I don't think business and life, I used to think it was supposed to balance. It never balances. No. You need to learn how to blend it, make it a little bit more cohesive. But yeah. I don't, I don't think, I think you need to be the same person at, at home and at work. Um, that's good. And, and not change your values and not change how you yeah. show up. Yeah. But at the end of the day, some days are just tough. Yeah. And some days are great. Um, you brought up strengths finder earlier. I love, love that book. And yeah. I, I took the assessment get, I want you, well, if you want, try to guess what my number one was. Cause when I found out my number one, I was like, this is not strategic at all. <laughs> you don't, you didn't think it was, your I didn't one? think so. Well, and I, I get it, but I just, I wanted something a little more strategic and 
Well, if it's not strategic, I'm thinking like a woo or something I'm a, like I'm that. A, yeah. Woo, number one, woo, yeah. woo, positivity, communication, developer, and includer. Okay. So where I struggle the most is in the details. Very ADD. Well, you don't, have any, you don't have any execution <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting, like learning more about um, about where my strengths are, and then I very much exposing where yeah. my some of my weaknesses are. But trying to find. Um, or at least just strengthen those areas that don't come naturally are usually like detail oriented. And, um, but the whole gist of the strengths finder, like why I love it is, um, it identifies what you're naturally and innately good at. Yes. So, and they group them. If y'all haven't checked out strengths finder, you need to, it's, it, I mean, you can go to strengthsfinder.com. It's they, it's the coolest assessment. Yeah, I awesome. use it with all of my private clients. Um, but what I love about it it tells you what you're naturally good at, but it focuses on the good. Mm-hmm. And because if you if you have something, it doesn't talk about weaknesses. I hate talking about weaknesses. Uh, I am not analytical. I'm not. And what's funny is they, it tells you if you do the whole assessment, your lowest ones too. And it's not that they're weaknesses. Yeah. It's just that it's not naturally what you're good at. Yep. So yep. the only reason to know them isn't to get better at them. It's to be aware of them so you know your blind spots. Sure. You know yep. what one of my lowest ones was? <laughs> I have no idea. Empathy. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So knowing that, I am not going to suddenly become this kumbaya, empathy, <laughs> empathetic. I, I feel like I have empathy. Yeah. But the way it shows up for me is I can be really direct and really curt. Um, and not in a mean way. It's yeah. just I'm very matter of Like fact. walking up to a random stranger and telling them, and it looks telling like, them you have you look like you have anger issues. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know why this one shocked you. But it, right? So I have to... I have to consciously do that. Probably didn't consciously do it that day, but I have to consciously pay attention to who I'm with, who I'm around. You know, if I said that to you, my gut is, I probably thought you could handle it, but there, you know, there's going to be some little, I hate to say wallflowers, but there'll be some little wallflowers that that can't handle that. And I have to know I'm a strength, you know, tact is not always my strength. Yeah. Yeah. I think self-awareness and then having like an action plan of how you respond. Yep. Because if like like you're saying, like if you just these are your natural tendencies yes. and your natu- natural gifting, but if you're not aware of where maybe you're not as gifted, then yeah. you might offend somebody or yeah. Um, and from a leadership perspective, it's it's critically important because then you know who you need to surround yourself with. Yep. And too many times as leaders, I'll see people come in, especially corporate. I'll see executives come in and they'll hire their little men. They'll hire clones of them. Yeah. And that does no one any good because if I need, you know, for me, I need to hire, I need, my team needs to be extremely empathetic, extremely detail oriented, very analytical because that's not what I am. Yeah. You know, four out of my five top ones are in the influencing gene. Yep. I can, you know, motivate and influence but I oh, yeah. need people on the the tactical side. I'm, on my I'm team. the same way. Um, the manager I I um, I worked under last year is very analytical, very detail oriented, very um, organized. And so when I got moved into the management role I'm in, I was like, dude, you got to teach me because I don't know how to this. I one, it's not that it doesn't come naturally. I don't want to do it. So like, yeah. you're gonna have to show me so that I can learn how to how to practice these things. And then just like you said, surrounding yourself with people and realizing that I think such a valuable piece of leadership is realizing that you don't have to have every piece to the puzzle. And that's why you have, you invite people For in sure. yeah, um, and empowering the people, even if they're not at your same level, empowering the people yeah. on your team to, Hey, you're better at this than I am. Why don't you shine right now? Yeah. And I the word, so the, good. the, the biggest mistake people make in leadership is they try to do it all themselves. And I think the biggest mistake people make in life is trying to do it all themselves. We can't handle all of our our work or career or business alone. Mm -hmm. There's no way, even if you're a solopreneur, you need to have people on your team, even if they're not paid employees. And at home, we need, we can't do everything. You know, I'm single mom, three, three girls. My girls are getting older, but when they were little, goodness gracious, I couldn't do all that myself. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, you know this. It's yeah. just kids yeah. are no it's joke. Single dad over here. Yeah. yeah. And one with one. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. So, yeah. They you're don't right. raise themselves. Mine like to think they're raising themselves. Now they do. No. <laughs> now they do. Yeah. Now they do. Um, no, I um, no, I totally agree with you. And I think um, uh, sometimes people learn it from being thrust into a situation where you have to rely on other people to, to help you. And yep. Um, for others, it comes naturally, but it's so true. There's, we're relational 
people. We're relationship beings. We were created to work together, um, not try to figure everything out on our own. So um, I love that. So at what point when you launched your business, did you know you were going to write a book? It's interesting. I wrote, so this is my second book. I wrote my first one um, right before I launched. So I had another book called Don't Make Me Pull. Don't make me pull this car over. It was for working moms. I wrote it when I was still in finance. Cool. Um, At this one, here's what's interesting. I write a book. You know, it's not this, I think I'm going to write a book. Because here's the thing. If you've ever written a book, and I know you're going to write a book someday. We're going to hold you to this. Hold um, me to it. We'll hold you to it. But when you write a book, it's not usually a revenue stream. Most people aren't writing books because they want to make money out of it. They're writing books because they have something they want to say. Yeah. So for me, what the point I decided to write it is when I start hearing the same things and the same trends from my executives, my entrepreneurs, my private clients, my group coaching clients, all of them, I start writing it down. Because mm-hmm. when, when I'm coaching around the same themes or the same issues, then if I put it in book form, I can help that impact. That's yeah. I can help more people. Sure. So that's what this was, is the themes in the book, everyone I was working with at some point in their lives have dealt with this. And, you know, anytime I've spoken with groups, they're all like, yeah, this is so me. And so that's what it was. And I'm, I'm working on another one um, this fall that'll be out the beginning of next year. And it's Sweet. the same thing. I've got more trends and more strategies yeah. that people need to hear my 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 goal and dream of writing a book is I, I've often felt this very similar thing like in having podcast interview conversations and then just conversations about how do I better lead myself how do I impact people because um, that's a lot of what we're focusing on I'm noticing common threads and common themes and so I'm writing those things down and if if you looked at my notes on my phone, you could just scroll. There's hundreds of, uh, I don't journal in a physical journal. I journal on the, the notepad. On the notes app. Okay. And so all my journal entries, some of them are random. Some of yeah. them are quotes that I hear. Some of them are, but then they started as just thoughts, ideas that I'd maybe flesh out into a blog article and then eventually flesh out into a podcast episode. Yeah. And I hope one day flesh out into a chapter of a book. Cause like you said, like the goal here is to increase impact and increase, um, people's capabilities. Um, and so that's, 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 really, how, really that's cool. how they all start. All the books start. It's all these ideas. And I'm fortunate to have um, a writing coach that I work with, Anita, and she's amazing. Oh, awesome. And I, I tell her her job is herding cats. It's like I've got all these different quotes and articles and thoughts uh-huh. in my head, uh-huh. and her job is to kind of organize them Very into cool. a, a flow, and then I, I write from there. I, um, I used to work with uh, Dr. Tim Elmore, and he's written yep. like 20-something mm-hmm. books, um, yeah. loads of books on leadership. And yeah, he's amazing. He's awesome. And um, one day I was asking him, like, how do you, how do you write books? <laughs> like, what is your process? And it was actually really interesting because a lot of his books are research-based. Mm-hmm. And he was showing me how he, he kind of decides wh- what direction, kind of comes up with an outline and knows yep. like each chapter is going to be about this. Then he just cre- does a folder system. And he'll like, as he comes across articles and writes little snippets or a blog, and, he, and then he just kind of dumps them in the folders and then gives it over to the yep. producers and or the um, the uh, uh, editors and the writers to kind of help him yeah. formulate it all. And then he just, and I was like, it's once cool. you know, it's the organization part is hard because those of us that do write. We, we've got all these thoughts, and, uh-huh. and I kind of joke with Anita. I'm like, it's like herding cats, getting yeah. my little brain to come together. But, yeah, it's, I mean, gather all the information, all the thoughts, and you can, they usually fall into place. And then if you have an outside person, an editor, a coach, something like that, looking at it going, okay, yeah, this flows this way. Or yep. then you can kind of just really take off from there. I have um, ADHD, and for a while I took medication, and then I, I stopped and chose self-awareness. I don't necessarily say that's good or bad or I suggest it for everybody, but that's just what I did. But it's very interesting you say that because the whole idea of herding cats is I I connect. Anytime I write anything, I will either sit there and not do not write a single thing until I can sort it all up here Mm -hmm. or I'll just word vomit. Yep. Even like an email, if I'm crafting an email, I'll just type and then it's like, deciphering a puzzle. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Cut, paste it down here. This sentence should go here. And I take the same ideas and rearrange them. And I'm like, now it makes sense. So yeah, that's, that's I, cool that, that you have help different. to do that. Yeah. yeah, everybody's different. I had a, a writer who had done several books who I was friends with that knew me very well. And when I told him I was going to do my first book, he goes, let me just give you a piece of advice. Just write. 
Yeah. And I said, well, that's, that's not really Earthshot. You know, but yeah. what he meant was he goes, quit trying to, because he goes, you will, I'm so organized, even though I'm not analytical, I'm very organized. I think it's, I'm a Virgo, so I'm super organized. <laughs> and that's what he said. He's like, you're going to try to organize it in your head. You're going to miss something. Just yeah. write and organize later. So that was me. It was get it all out. And then people come behind me and say, here's how it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Let's piece it together. Yeah. So this book, I didn't actually realize this was your second book. Uh, the yeah. titles, you're not for everyone, but you can be for everyone. Um, I love the layout. It's split up into four parts. Um, the first section, first couple of chapters, are you for everyone? You're kind of answering that question right off the bat. Um, and then it goes into, um, are you for you? Which I think is huge. Um, and then how do you design in, uh, your intentional life? And then finally, staying on track. So tell us about what, what drove this book. You know, what, well, like I said, the, anytime I start seeing a lot of people complaining and I think, um, you know, I was mentioned to you earlier that my favorite quote in the book, um, it's, it's my page 27. I have it like dog. I've literally got it. Did you yeah, dog yeah. It? It's, it says, I mean, you can read it. If you yeah, want. I'll read it. I'll read yeah. it. It says, if you, if you aren't proactively making changes to improve the things you aren't happy with in your life, you forfeit the right to complain about them. I love, I mean, and that was, that's a quote from me. Yeah. So it, we're, we're going to quote that. We're, I'm going to make a quote card lot, for that. Because again, the reason I wrote it is because I was tired of people complaining and doing nothing. Doing nothing. Yeah, yeah. I have, I get that everybody has hard lives and everything, but if you're not going to proactively change it, quit, quit complaining. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what I set out to do in the book is first and the are you for everyone is to uncover what is it you're doing that is keeping you stuck. That's letting, not letting you be for you. And, you know, I want, when I say you're not for everyone, it just means quit doing all things. You can't be all things to all people. Yep. None of us can. Yep. Um, so in that, now at the same time, you can still be for the meeting. I, I'm loving to them. I'm caring. Um, you know, I, I want everybody to win, but that doesn't mean I need to be the personal, personally be the one that helps them do that. Sure. So the first section, are you for everyone is, what, what are you doing that's holding you back? Are you a people pleaser? Are you, you know, staying in the comfort zone? Are you rounding out your edges? You know, I mentioned growing up kind of being seen and not heard. Yeah. So yeah. that's what that section's about. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's good. And you're right. Like, um, uh, complaining is not something we're short on in this right? culture. And I think everybody's, um, it's good to share your opinion. I think it's good for people that maybe were raised to be seen and not heard to be heard. And yeah. For their some of y'all need to stop though, because some of y'all getting out of hand yeah, with it. Right? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's that. Yeah, you. Yeah. It's. But it goes back to controlling the controllables. If you can't do anything about it, quit complaining about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. You forfeit the right to complain about them. It's uh, so so good. Um, and then as you um, as you build on that, uh, and I, well, going back to the just you're not for everyone. Like it can seem kind of, um harsh maybe yeah. that, that initial title it but it does and that's why we picked the title yeah because we, we had some other working titles but the reason I wanted it to be eye-catching yeah and but here's here's what I mean by that a lot of people think that it's I'm talking about you that I'm saying you are not for everyone meaning you're not enough you're too much you're in this you're that it's not at all what I mean when I say you're not for everyone, I mean you're not meant to be all things to all people. Mm. You are meant to find your people. You know, I, the, the thing I say all the time, my biggest theme for people is know your people, find your people, love them hard. So yeah. know exactly who you are for. That's good. Who am I going to bat for? Who are my people? Who am I going all in with? Because we can't do that for everyone. Yeah. So when I say you're not for everyone, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Yeah. It just means there's not enough of you to help every single person. And sure. that's not how we were designed. Sure. And no, no I connected with it immediately because I'm a people pleaser and a peacemaker. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you, you, I know you do strengths finder with your clients, but the Enneagram, I'm a, I'm an Enneagram <laughs> two wing three. So the okay. two I'm is, an eight. Are you Shocking. An eight? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, the two is the helper. Um, and so it, my natural tendency is like, I just want to make sure everybody's okay. Yeah. I want to bring peace to the situation. I want to make sure yeah. that everyone's happy. And a lot of times, especially when I was younger, not, not as much anymore, but a lot when I was younger, it was at the sacrifice of myself, making sure, sure everyone else was it okay. Everyone is. was at peace. I, I don't, I don't need anything. I'm, I'm fine. You don't have to worry about me right. type of thing, but realizing that, not going to make everybody happy. Yeah. You're not always going to be everybody's cup of tea, but there are people that need you to be for them. For um, sure. And, and it starts with making sure that you are grounded yourself and know what you're for, for yourself. So then part two is 
um, are you for yourself? And, and yeah. you kind of start to unpack that. Tell us a little bit more about. You know, it's, it struck me, the being for yourself, and this is hard for a two, one of my closest <laughs> friends, actually my small, one of the girls in my small group, because we did the Enneagram as well. Did you? Um, it was no, everybody guessed mine pretty much. If you're an eight, you, everybody knows you're an eight. Yeah. But one of my very closest friends is a, is a two. Yep. And she is, she is the helper. She is the, she is literally our glue. She holds us because she's the type that is, does all things for all people. But what I've found with her and some of my other friends, the people pleasers, the twos out uh-huh. there, they're exhausted. Yes. They're exhausted. We are. <laughs> so the the part two was, are you for you? Are you doing enough for you? Because if you're doing all things for all people, you kind of forget, we forget us. And I think as parents, we're really guilty at that. We're pouring everything into our kids and we kind of forget about us. And I remember I'm a big therapy proponent as well. And I had a therapist one time said, what do you do for fun? And I said, oh, well, you know, I do martial arts and I do this. And they're like, okay, what do you do for you? I'm like, well, you know, I've been taking, they're like, no, that's what your daughter does. Yeah. And you're doing it because she does. Yeah. Which is okay. Yeah. Which was okay. Yeah. But I never really thought about it because I enjoyed it. Yep. But he says, what do you do that's just for you? And I could not answer him. Yeah. Couldn't. This was probably seven years ago, seven, eight years ago. I couldn't answer. I had absolutely nothing I could pinpoint for me. And I think we're looking at that. So in part two, what are, yeah, part two, I was trying to uncover, what do you really want? Like, are you doing stuff for fun? Is your career the way you want it? I really want people to evaluate all the pieces of their life to figure out, all right, is this, this is what I signed up for? Yeah. You know, is, or do I need to make some changes? What do you do for you now? What do I do for me now? Yeah. You know, what's interesting, I am, um, I, what's, one of the things I think I do for me, it sounds really simple, is quiet time and alone time because yeah. people always assume I'm this massive extrovert. I mean, I'm an eight. I do test an, an E, mm-hmm. um, on the Myers, the Myers Briggs, Briggs. Yep, me too. but I, um, I recharge by myself. Oh, okay. And one of the things that I learned very rapidly to do was take time for myself. And I never did that my whole life. It was busy, 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 go, go, go. Mm-hmm. But I recharge. I'm way more introverted than people think. Like I, oh. I, I'm an extroverted introvert. Like I recharge by myself. So yeah. sometimes I just like to be by myself and do nothing on the weekends. Yeah. So I, as silly as it sounds, plop me in front of the Hallmark Channel on a Saturday or or Sunday or all weekend, and I'm relaxed. But yeah. I never allowed myself that before. So mm-hmm. for me, it was it's quiet. It's, yeah. it's It's being still. I have a hard time slowing down. And I empathize with your two friends that yeah. are exhausted and, and tired and will constantly say yes to things just because we want to help. And we are the intent is always so pure and good. But yeah. um, it, it took me a while. I, I used to not be able to answer that question at all. What yeah. do I do for me? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Help. Help. And it would start with help my friends or to help yeah. people do. And, um, and I don't mean don't help, like show up, help oh, yeah, for sure, for but sure. make sure you're putting your oxygen mask on too. Well, and you know this, like being in, um, being a single parent, like when you're, when you have the kids, you, you're on 24 seven, even when you're sleeping, yes. like, especially when they're young. So like yeah. that can be exhausting. And so when, when the, the weekends or the, you know, times where he's not with me, I've had to be really intentionally, like I need to recharge myself. Otherwise I'm just not going to make it for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So figuring out what I like, and sometimes it's outdoors, it's hiking, it's live music, it's golfing, you know, just finding little things that give me joy, give me life, help me to reset a little bit. I don't think enough of us do that. Yeah. I really don't. And and sometimes it doesn't have to be a big thing. You know, I'm, I'm a water person, so I love the beach. I love yes. the lake. I love all things water. Yeah. I can't go to the beach every day. It'd be great if I could. But sometimes, so I learn, like, I just go take a hot bath. I mean, that little things like that that yep. just, just decompress. And yep. I think for people that give a lot, and even though I'm not a, a, not a two at all, um, I think it, you know, we all have, no matter what your Enneagram is or your strengths finder, we all have, there, there's blessings in all of that. They're really sure. good things that those mean, but they're also things where we need to just be aware of and know, okay, I need to slow down a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love the next part, um, designing your intentional life. Um, I, I like the, uh, one of the things we actually say in the intro to this podcast is cultures formed either by design or by default and oh, your life happens that. either by design or by default. And most of the time, the default setting for anything is never going to be great. No, We need to tweak it. You need to design it. You need to put your touch on it, whatever it is. And so designing 
your intentional life, I think is a huge piece. It's probably the biggest section of chapters in this yep. book. Um, tell us more about how, like how, how, what you wrote about, but then how you help people to do that. The, the premise is exactly what you said. It's you're either going to design the life you want, or you're going to default in somebody else's idea of mm-hmm. what that should mm-hmm. be. And you know, you'll always hear people say they, you know, the, the elusive they, they said, yeah. they think yeah. they want, you know, we, you get to be the they. You're like, I where mean, are they? Exactly. Yeah. I've still never seen they. I yeah. keep asking for them, but you get to design it the way you want. And I don't think anybody ever tells us that. And I, for me and the the work that I get to do with my clients, a lot of time it's giving them permission. Like, hey, we, we get to pick this. You get to design what this looks like. Your business, your life, your finances, sure. all of it. Yeah. And that's why I don't really have a tolerance for mediocrity is because, and certainly people have different circumstances, circumstances that, you know, make make their lives a lot more challenging or difficult. However, within those set of circumstances, no matter what they are, we get to design it. Yeah. So the work I like people doing, what I was trying to guide people through in the book is let's let's do that. Let's figure out first what we want it to look like and let's take the steps to get there. So my rule of thumb with clients, with friends, with everything is if it's not moving, bringing you joy or moving you closer to your goals, it needs to be a no. Mm. And that's challenging for a lot of people because we want to, be all things to all people. Yeah. So the to to embrace the fact I'm not for everyone. I've got to be for my people. I've got to be for my life and really being intentional about what that looks like. Yeah. It's um in it's a, a kind way. A when kind I say that, and in a healthy super selfishness. Kind way. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But yeah. it it you know as as direct as I am and everything, I'm like I, I will bend over backwards for people. Like I am I am probably like I, I'm a mama bear, so you don't want to you know mess too much. But the I'll do anything for anybody, not anybody, but I'll do anything for my people, but I'm very clear on who those people are. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And And I want everybody else to win. If you are not in my little tiny circle, I still am cheering for you. I still want you to win. Yeah. I may not come and move your house if you're moving to a new one, but you know, I still, I'm busy that day. Sorry. I'm busy that day. Right. I think, uh, well, in a second, I kind of want to come back to this because I'd like to get some more just like practicality, like action steps that we could take to better design that intentional life. But the last section of the book is staying on track and just being able to maintain what you create and what you design. Yes. How, how important is that? Huge. Yeah. Huge. I'm a big accountability. I tell people and you know, when people ask, they're like, well, what kind of coach are you? Cause there's so many coaches, there's uh-huh. like life coaches and this and that and woo woo coaches. And I tell them I'm a strategy and accountability girl. I will, we will come up with very specific things mm-hmm. unique to that person or yep. that business to help them grow personally, professionally, financially. And then the accountability piece comes in because if you don't have someone holding you accountable, it's, you're probably not going to follow through. Yep. And self-accountability is one of the ones that I talk about in there, one of the ways to be accountable. I know maybe 1% of the population can hold themselves accountable. I am not in that 1%. Yeah, me either. So I talk a lot about you know group accountability, mm-hmm. structured accountability, uh, what I call booties in the stands, like having your cheerleaders there for you. Yeah. And I have, you know, I know that I won't hold myself accountable. I will let myself down before I will let anybody else down. Mm. So if there's a big goal or a big commitment, whether it's fitness or business or whatever, I loop in people that are important to me or that share the same goal. And I'm like, hey, I need you to hold me to this. Call me out when you see me doing something wrong. And I give them permission to help yeah. hold me accountable. That's a huge piece is giving people permission because a yep. lot of us don't want our feelings hurt. And yep. we don't want, we don't like when people get in our grill about stuff, but yeah. Um, being uh, willing to, ha- well, one, you gotta, you gotta understand that there's the reality of uh, self-accountability isn't going to work a hundred for every area of your life. There's going to yeah. have to be some additional pieces to the puzzle and having a trusted circle or a trusted mentor or yeah. a trusted friend that you can share those goals and objectives with. Yeah. And they, you give them the seat to the table to, call you out and a lot of times they have the same objectives one of my girlfriends texts me I have a friend and I going to a wedding in a few months and she and I are like I want to you know all girls do this if you ladies listening know this well I want to drop 10 pounds before we have to go to this wedding and we're like she and I were going okay well let's hold each other accountable so literally she texted me in the middle of the afternoon yesterday and said how's your nutrition going this week Mm. and I texted her back and I said I've been great up until last night and I was super stressed. So I made nachos. And so, but it was, it was almost like I got it out and I said it and she's like, okay, we'll get back on the horse. And let, so, yeah. and I was asking her how hers was. So we, now we have 
She wasn't berating me. She didn't say, oh, no. that's terrible. Yeah. She, she, she's like, I feel you. We're going to do better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So you just need the encouragement from people who care. Yeah. Like the one thing is we have a similar goal. We both care about each other enough yep. to ask the question. Yep. But that's what accountability is, is caring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it really is. Um, I, think it's, I think it's helpful um, to what you were saying is to uh, include people that are in that same space with you. For sure. Um, they oh, might yeah. not have the exact same goal, but they can at least understand it and know how to support you and how to hold you accountable to it. Yep. And it shouldn't all just be on one person. Like, remember, I'm not, I, I don't think it's wise to just have everything on your spouse or your significant no. other. I think it's no. smart and wise to have a, if I've got business goals or I've got business questions, I have a mentor that I go to that is for business yep. and entrepreneurship. And I call him and I'm like, hey, this is my thought. What do you think? Can you help me out? Can you hold me accountable to this? Uh, he was the guy that actually helped me um, with uh, getting the tra- registered trademark for the name Synergetic Culture, which is nice. we, we own that registered trademark. He helped me through that process. He also held me accountable to doing my part to get us to that process. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so it's, That's it's why so finding good. your people is so important because yep. a lot of times, and even especially in corporate America, we'll have people that don't really, I won't say that it's not that they don't have our best interest, but they don't, they're not fully bought in. Like mm-hmm. you want people in your, my inner circle is super small, but we want everybody to win. Like it just, and I, I know who I can call on and I know who I can, I can ask. Yep. And I know some of my friends aren't going to be great at holding me accountable. My twos aren't because they're not going to want to hurt my feelings. Yeah. Right. So it's knowing <laughs> it's finding your people. Sure. You're know, saying, know your people, find your people, love them hard. Know, know your people, yeah. know the ones that need your help, you know, and certain people, you know, twos, <clears throat> Enneagram twos aren't going to ask for help either. So I need to be very into, you know, We're I'm working aware on of that. It. Yeah. Right. But I'm very in tune yep. to that. So my two closest girlfriends that are both twos, I attract a lot of twos. Um, I can sense when they're off mm-hmm. and I know they're not going to tell me. Yep. So that's when I'll call and say, Hey, I was just thinking about you. Let's, you know, let's go grab coffee. Let's go grab a glass of wine. I can sense when they need that. Yep. And I think that's part of, you know, if we're trying to be all things to all people, we can't do that. We're too busy. We're too flustered. But yep. if we can really focus in the people we're meant to be for, then we can deepen the relationships and we can show up. And even when, People don't know they need us. Yeah. We, uh, well, for the twos that are listening, we all need a Kristen in our lives. <laughs> is attuned to that and calls and the, us. And, says, and hey, the eights I, need a two. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. We, we need each other. That's, that's yeah. the whole theme, running theme here. Well, that's what's so cool, though, I think, is all of these styles and personalities and strengths, they fit. They mm-hmm. fit together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, this is by design, not default. You've just got to find the compliments for you. And if we're busy running around trying to be all things to people, it's not... It's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. The last thing I want is, is my life, my passions, my, the things I'm pursuing, my goals to, to, um, the pursuit of those to be a default. I want to design because the, the reality is you're just not going to accomplish what you want to accomplish unless you, you purpose to do it and you design the life to do it. And let's think about that for a minute. If people did that and did exactly what you're talking about, I, I know my passions, I'm designing my life around them we'd quit. There'd be a couple things we'd quit doing. Mm -hmm. We would quit hanging out on social media and complaining. We would quit hanging out on social media and yelling at people we don't even know and people who disagree with us. Mm -hmm. We would quit canceling things that don't exactly line up with our values. We would quit all these obsessions and addictions and all the things that distract us from life. Mm -hmm. So if we really just took time to evaluate, all right, this is what I want life to look like and move in that direction so many of the problems would start to fizzle. Oh, yeah. They're not going to go away tomorrow, but they sure as heck would get better. Well, and that and just the priority of, of problems. Like you'd realize that a lot of the things that we focus a lot of time on yeah. are very insignificant. You know, isn't that funny, though? Yeah. My dad told me, I'm super close with my dad. Um, he told me one time, he goes, you know, Chris, if you, if everybody, if you're sitting around a table with a million people and everybody threw their problems on the table, you'd probably take your own back. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? You're probably right. Yeah. Because the things that I get so, and I stress like crazy. Yeah. Um, but the things I get so stressed about and worry about in the grand scheme of things, they're pretty insignificant. Yeah. Yeah. I've also just, uh, in that same vein, I've, I've come to realize that stuff is just going to continue to happen in life because nothing's perfect and life's not perfect. And 
I, I'm less surprised by things that happen either to me or around yep. me. I'm more just like, okay, well, now that's happened, let's figure this out. Like, let's, uh, let's, let's figure out what, what this means and how we yeah. get through it and what, you know, like I'm not as like, oh my gosh, my yeah. world's falling apart. Um, but you go through enough stuff in life and you just kind of realize, okay, like, again, it's not about what happens to me. It's about how I respond and how I, how I become better because of it. It's totally key. If you figure that out at your age, that's amazing because it took me, I don't know if I'm a slow learner or what, but it took me way longer, way longer. And I think once I crossed, I, I don't know, I started in my 40s, but once I got past 50, I was like, you know what? 50 is just an unapologetic age. I'm like, I blame everything on being 50. You're like, well, <laughs> can't believe you said that. I can say that I'm 50, right? It just, you've got you just kind of get to a point where you're like, why did I spend so many decades? So I love the fact that people of younger ages and decades are trying, they're figuring this out sooner. Yeah. Cause I think your life will be, which is why I thought I wrote this book for people my age in their forties and fifties. Yeah. And my, um, coach and editor had me pull in some beta readers of different ages, different demographics. And we, one of the questions we asked them is who do you think the book is written for? And I, I thought it was for my people. All of them said 20s and 30s. Yeah. Because those, those were the groups that were most wanting it. Like 40s, 50s, we're starting to figure it out. Like, yeah, yeah. But 20s and 30s, like, yeah, I need yeah. to figure this out now. Yeah, there's light bulb moments in here for, for, sure. for people in my, my demographic. Yeah. The 30-year-olds yeah. that are think they're kind of getting, things are starting to fall yeah. into place or puzzle pieces are starting to connect. There's light bulb moments of like... You're so oh, right thank about that. You. Yeah, I love good. that because that's, I mean, that's the whole point in doing it. I mean, anytime you write something, you want, you want it to help people. Yeah. Yeah. At least for me. Oh, a hundred percent. So let's get a little, to, a little practical here. Um, okay. My goal in, in our kind of tagline is providing practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture that can be self-leadership. That can be, I mean, the, there's such a broad topic here. What are some practical and tangible things that somebody can do to better, design their intentional life so i would say the i love practical so thank you yes. for asking yeah, that question. yeah i like action steps so. i know i love and there's actually if if you guys do the book you can actually go um and download a guide and literally fill it out Sweet. along with Sweet. the book which is cool um but i would say the practical practical very tangible things to do and i mentioned this phrase earlier and it's very easy to remember and repeat is know your people find your people love them hard so the practical application of that knowing your people is i want you to evaluate personally and professionally who are your people mm. it may be your target like in business we call it your target market yep right but within that we I, I want you to get very specific who are the relationships i need to go all in on so yeah. part of it is part of it is knowing your people Right. So once you know these are the type of people, these are the specific names that find your people means go out and get them. So if you're a business owner or an executive that's trying to build your team, finding your people means I know exactly who I need in my world, in my life, in my business. Find those people mm -hmm. and the love them hard pieces engage. Yeah. We don't do enough to engage and to build relationships. Sure. I think we as a culture, we tend to look at um, what can this person do for me? Mm hmm. And I always tell my clients, my first question is, I want you to help them before they, you ever ask anything of them. I don't care if they are your, um, your, your children, your significant other, your uh, client or prospect, a new person on your team. Yeah. Help them before that you ever ask anything of them. So if you can, you know, know them, find them, love them hard, that's the key. I mean, it sounds... I put the phrase like that so people remember it. Yeah. But it's very tactical. Yeah. It's very, very tactical. It's yeah. like really identify it. Well, and I feel like finding your people doesn't necessarily mean you got to go make new relationships. It's just no. realizing who's in your life yep. and how they fit into these puzzle puzzle pieces of your, your, your close-knit circle. Yeah. And then being extremely intentional about like for me, like I get, I get super practical. So like I have a goal that I made at the beginning of this year which I feel like 10 months in, I've done a decent job at where I want to, I've got four siblings. All of us are in different States. My mom and dad are, are in Hawaii. I make it a goal to call every single person in my family at least once a week. I love that. Because I, I just like, that's the life engaging. happens. That's yeah. the love them hard part. So yeah. that little bit of just like, okay, my, my siblings are my best friends. I want to make sure I stay connected to them. And then I've got a couple of like close, mm -hmm. like if I'm going to, if I'm going to do something, I'm calling up these bros to either golf or, yeah. go to a brewery or hang out or go watch live music, just something like that. 
I want to connect with them at least once a week. You know, we might be in text groups, but call, yeah. ask them how they're doing. Um, and then another one that I did practically was, um, it was a, a, I think it was last year. Um, my goal was to never withhold encouragement. Like if I thought of something to say about Get somebody, go give it immediately. Love so it. like, even if I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know what? I'm just so thankful for that. Like I yeah. called someone yes, two days ago and I was like, Hey dude, I just want to thank you for always being there for me. And yeah. the last couple months I've been through some stuff and you've just been there. Thanks. And he yeah. was like, dude, thanks for calling. Thanks for saying that. You it's, know, it's fantastic that you do that though. What yeah. other, what other intentional things can people do? So, yeah. Um, like two, I, I just two like two things. There yeah. are two things along those lines that I, I typically recommend. Number one, I call the energizer list. Make a list of the people that fire you up. I like this. Excite yeah you that you you're know you're people. not your hype people yeah. your hype squad <laughs> right like physically write them down I've got my planner here for those of you guys that are watching the video um I literally have them listed yeah. in here okay cool because I because sometimes <clears throat> you're having those days you're like Ugh. yep I will look at my list my goal with my energizer list is one of them has to be on my calendar each and every week cool it coffee wine appointment um, it could be a phone call because not all of mine are local, but it, it is truly a scheduled time because no matter how crappy my week is, I know I have this one person that's going to light me up. Yep. That's that. Yep. So that's one strategy. Another one I do with a lot of my clients, especially my entrepreneurs, when I think about building businesses is I want them to do five reach outs a day. Cool. And I don't give them parameters around it. It need, but it, the only, the only rule is you cannot be asking for something. You cannot be asking for business. So exactly what you just did, you know, like, hey, I was thinking about you, hope you're well. Or, hey, I saw you took a trip to Italy. It looked amazing. Yeah. Something like that. Five reach outs a day to deepen a relationship, to strengthen a bond, Love to that. make a connection. It could be, it can be to somebody you don't know. The reach out doesn't necessarily need to be somebody you know well, but it could be, hey, I read your article on LinkedIn. I thought it was amazing. I really like the point about yeah. this. Yeah. So five reach that. outs per day, and they can that. be personal or professional. But what's interesting is I started that about probably about a year, year and a half ago with my clients. I have one particular coaching client. He's a financial advisor. We started him with five. He's now up to 15 a day. Wow. And the majority of his business this past year has come as a result of building those relationships. That's amazing. Because what's been interesting is he may reach out to say, hey, I loved your picture from your recent trip. And the person's going, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Hey, by the way, I meant to call you. Yeah, I'd really like to talk to you about X. Yep. So yep. if you can just focus on the relationship all the good stuff comes. So I, I love five reach out I today and I love one energizer a week would be the biggest I love tangible that. strategy. Yeah, I love that. I think um, that kind of has my mind spinning. Right? I mean, there's- And they're fun. Yeah, to do. yeah. Super and I, fun. I feel like I could add that to my my world at, in addition to yeah. calling my siblings and yeah. you know one of my close friends it at least once a week. not even five minutes. And that's what's interesting about it is it is a tiny little effort that- results over time it's a long game strategy because yeah. I, I focus in short short game and long game strategies sure it's a long game but it, it pays off yeah and it's fun it i'm a huge good. huge proponent of making small incremental changes over long periods of time to yeah. get the most impact oh then you're gonna like what we're doing for the next book <laughs> okay exactly cool exactly what we're awesome. talking about yeah. awesome i can't wait so yeah. um I, I love this, the, the, the practical takeaways here. I, there's a good group of people that listen to this that are local to this area. Yeah. And I know that you sometimes do events where people are welcome to come and, sure. and uh, network and socialize and then just be around this type of energy. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about the event coming up? And yeah. I would love to... Um, Absolutely. Invite people to invite come. People. If I'll can. give you a code yeah. to get in for free. Um, so we have, you know, I talked about being a coach and I have, I have private coaching clients, I have group coaching, and we launched a community. Um, and it is a coaching community. It's called the Renew Community, which is also the name of my podcast. And we, the Renew Community, we have like weekly meetups with the most kick-ass, fun, driven, just give back type of people. Love it. So that's a member community. So people pay a super low monthly fee to be a part of that. And they have access to all of our stuff, Sweet. our content, Sweet. our coaching, everything. But we have a member guest event that we do once a quarter. And our fall one is coming up on October 20th yep. uh, at my office, which is at the Commons and Phase in Alpharetta. Um, so if you're local to Atlanta on October 20th, yeah. I have an amazing speaker coming in, Chelsea Patricia. She is a, an influencer, a social media strategist, and she's talking about how to be you. Uh, be uniquely you, like Love not that. change yourself, but show up as you and how to really get your personal brand 
out there, whether yeah. corporate or entrepreneurs, but it's on October 20th from 6 to 8 p.m. Yep. Um, I'm I can, gonna put, I'm I gonna can put give links. you the link. And, you know, if you guys want to come, you enter the code VIP. It'll waive your cost. You didn't I, have I to do that. that. I was I know, hoping that people... Okay, well, so... Can, if you want to pay, you can pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But because if they're buddies of yours, that means yeah. I like them. Yeah. So that's good. <laughs> I, I would love it. I, I really would. I'm going to be there. Um, it, this this podcast uh, right now, the date's October 6th. It's going to go live next week, Wednesday. Awesome. So it gives people a little bit of time to plan and prepare to be yeah. there. If you're close... We'd love to have you. Um, yeah. The link is going to be in the description of the podcast episode, whether on Spotify or um, Apple. Perfect. Um, and then is, does that link that we're going to post, like, how can people stay engaged, I guess, if if they want to keep up with keep you? And up, know yeah, because we happening? will have another one of these in January. Okay. So, I mean, our members, if you, if you want to make check out the community, it's the renewcommunity.com. But if you want to check that out, we have tons of events in the interim. But if cool. not, the member guest ones that we have, we'll have another one in January. We'll Sweet. have a new link for that. But if you follow me, um, online and I am Andre group, A-N-D-R-E-E group on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, all the places. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Follow me say, and we put, post them. I'll, I'll post put your links time. in the description too. Yeah. So you can follow Kristen, follow Instagram. LinkedIn is where we do most of our stuff, yeah. but I'll put, I'll put your links. And then, um, again, if, if you would like to come to that, yeah. um, that uh, guest it's, event, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's yeah. going to be fun. And yeah. the whole community is just, it's growth. I mean, it's exactly the stuff you're doing. It's growth minded. And what's so fun about it is the more you surround yourself with people who want to grow personally, professionally, financially, yeah. Yeah. oh my gosh, life gets so much more fun. It does. It really does. I get a, so much joy in life from having conversations like this, yeah. um, networking with people of similar mind and, yep. and goals. It's it's awesome. And then if you're watching, I've, I've got a couple copies of the book. Kristen's been generous enough to um, give me a couple copies that I'd love to give away. Um, and so, uh, we're going to do a giveaway on social media just to, um, get her book into more hands. But I would also encourage you if you're listening, um, just buy it on Amazon as well. Support, support her and her business. And, um, Kristen, thanks so much for hanging out with it's me and, fun. and letting me come to your office and, I know. I like and, it. and hang out here and, and do this. I think, um, uh, we've been wanting to do this for a while and I just appreciate your, your heart and what you what you do to really help people make a difference, oh, not just to others, but really making a difference in their own lives. Because yeah. at the end of the day, um, uh, you know, when I was talking to somebody just yesterday and she said, at the end of the day, you go to sleep with your own thoughts and your own mind. Yeah. And if you can make and, and constantly work on building a better you, it just makes you better to be around. Yeah. Um, and I think the insight and um, some of the tactical and practical things that you've shared here are going to help us be uh, better people to be around, better leaders, better parents, better friends, um, better professionals, and impact um, others around us. And that's why why we're doing this. So thank you. It. Thank you for having me. I appreciate really appreciate it. it. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Uh, come back next week because we're going to have another um, awesome interview. I mentioned on last week's episode, it's a trifecta powerhouse, uh, three weeks of incredible female leader after incredible female leader. So Thank you for being a part of that and um, excited to um, to interview another amazing woman next week. So tune in next time and uh, we thank you for listening. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. To learn more about Synergetic Culture, we invite you to go to SynergeticCulture.com. Sign up to receive our weekly podcast and blog and then connect with us on social media. We want to be connected to you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and then share our show with the people around you so they too can build a synergetic culture. This episode was written and recorded by Adam Bieber, founder and CEO of Synergetic Culture. Synergetic Culture is a registered trademark of Adam Bieber and the Synergetic Culture Company. <laughs>